Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis Sews, and you're listening to a new Sewing Save and Mending episode of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Grab a cuppa and relax. Sew Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to today's Sewing Save Mending podcast featuring Kate Ward. She's an Aussie living in Canada. Kate is here to discuss her research on how mending is one way we can be kinder to the environment. Let's welcome Kate. I know that you've gone and done the research and it's going to be a really interesting topic today. Yes, thank you, Maria. It's lovely to be here again. So what kind of made me start thinking about it was not just the environmental impact that mending has, but I think where it first started was I was interested in how much of a dollar's savings that I was making when mending my jeans. So I kind of started looking into it and the average cost of a pair of jeans is, say, give or take $100, depending on where you're shopping and what kind of jeans you'd like. So I started thinking, well, if I every time, instead of mending jeans, I bought a pair of jeans for the one pair of jeans that has over 14 men's on them, it would equate to about $1,400 worth of jeans. And when I thought of that, I thought, my goodness, that's quite a big savings given that, you know, like the time it takes to um, sit down and do a mend isn't, you know, that great. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then I, I started looking into how many pairs of jeans the average person owns. Right. And I found out it's crazy. Like it's about seven pairs. So most of us have at least seven pairs of jeans. Yeah, I can see you nodding. Yes, this is true. <laughs> you, you too. Yeah. And I find it totally, and I'm like, wow, that's that's amazing. How How is it possible to have that many pairs of jeans? And so anyway, after doing the research, I went and counted how many pairs of jeans I had in my closet. And I actually had eight. <laughs> I was like, holy guacamole, that's that's a lot, particularly because I don't do a lot of shopping and I try to be quite mindful with all of my purchases and stuff. So upon saying that, all of the jeans that I have are secondhand jeans, so they've been pre-loved, so that kind of makes me feel a bit better. Or they're made out of wool, so I'm supporting the Australian wool industry by wearing these amazing wool jeans. It's kind of like, wow, that's that's totally fascinating to think that jeans are such a, you know, they're an integral part of our lives. Like I wear them most days and I think a lot of people generally would say maybe about 50% of their time wear a pair of jeans. So, you know, they're a pretty important part of the lifestyle. Then with all my research as I was getting deeper and deeper into just what went into growing the cotton and making the jeans, that's kind of really opened up my eyes. You hear all these statistics and things about how textiles is, I think, the second biggest polluter of the world. Yeah. But it's not until you start, for me anyway, until I started to see pictures of how it impacts our world, that it really started to bring it home to me I think and so one of the images that I first saw that really kind of started me making the connections was this raw untreated chemical water that was being pumped into a river system it it wasn't treated at all 
it was blue. It was denim indigo blue. So it wasn't like the beautiful clear colors that you see as, as you think of water, but it was like this thick foggy blue. When I dug into it some more, this picture comes from a city in China called Xingtang. And Xingtang creates over a third of the world's genes, which is just phenomenal. It's amazing to think that they make so many of the garments for the whole world. And because of it, their city is incredibly polluted. Mm. The waterways, because the water from the chemical plants and from the factories is untreated, it has a pH level of close to about 14, which kind of doesn't really mean. So a lot of these figures and stuff that I was coming across they didn't mean anything, so I had to find ways of being able to relate to them. So water, general normal water, is about a pH of 7. Yes. And that's healthy water. A pH of 14, you're looking at ammonia, you're looking at lye, and lye, if you're a soap maker or a natural dyer, is it's quite a caustic chemical, and it's on that same spectrum moving towards the drain cleaners that we use caustic soda pretty much that's right and when you think of it like that of course life isn't going to grow in anything like that it's amazing amazingly horrendous I kind of just started going further and further into just the impacts it has on the environment so we've got the chemical untreated water going into the environment but there's also the other side too, which I hadn't really thought about at all. But that is the current trend with genes to be distressed and have holes in them and worn patches. You see genes in the shop and you think they just automatically appeared like that. Hmm. But in fact, it's someone in a factory somewhere with a hand sander making distressing and wearing down the denim in that sense that to me was a real eye-opener because I I don't know things just sometimes magically appear don't they when you you know you think that it just pops out of a factory yeah pretty much yeah yeah something has had to happen in the factory for that to happen and it's not a machine it's a person yeah that's it yeah and these people that are distressing the fabric like that they don't have any occupational health and safety so they've got no mask or glasses or anything like that to protect them from all the dust in the air and so not only is there like this blue that goes out into the water but there's also like a fine um, dust that settles on everything too just from all the the denim that's being grinded away from the fabrics so much so that was a real eye-opener just realizing the effects on humans and also the environment from the production side of things and then sort of thinking about it a bit more going back to basics with how much water is required to make a pair of jeans again trying to put it into terms that I could kind of visualize and understand so a pair of jeans in their life to be made from the concept of growing the cotton through to the processing with the dye and then cleaning the fabric afterwards, it needs about 700 litres of water, which is, I think I would say it's about a third of, if you think of those big petrol tanks that you see on the road, yeah, it's about a third of those. So for every petrol tanker you see on the road, that's about three pairs of jeans water in there, which 
is quite phenomenal. It's that's a lot a lot of water because we all love our genes so much and more and more water is being diverted into the cotton growing industry it's the fourth largest sea in the world which is known as the aral sea it's actually disappeared yeah yeah you've heard of that too yep i've seen docos about it the original photos of where it was and to see what's left which is not much no no, not at all. Yeah. For those of us who need a placement of where that is, it's on the border of Uzbekistan and it's and it's happened in our lifetime. I think in 1973 it was a fully happy lake slash ocean and over the course of 40 years it's totally dried up. And that to me, it's astounding to think that we've made that much of an impact on the environment just for growing some, some cotton. When you start thinking of it like that, it really kind of starts bringing home how important it is to be really mindful of the clothes that we wear and the reason why we buy and mend them, I guess you could say, because there's also a whole lot of chemical processes that are involved with the actual growing of the cotton as well. It uses an alarming rate of insecticide and herbicide. I think it's about 25% of the world's herbicide is used for growing cotton. Yeah, again, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. And when you think of it too, quite often what they're doing is they're not just spraying for a particular bug or a particular fungus that may be attacking the plant. They're spraying for everything. Mm. Quite often, nothing else lives in these fields with the exception of the cotton plant. So it's affecting our ecosystem in a much greater aspect in killing all of those microorganisms that we need that live in the soil. These little microorganisms we need, it's what do we do about it so that we can encourage them to be, I guess, using less fertilizer, less chemicals to get a, a healthier environment again. So some of the things that we can think about is definitely through mending our clothes and also things like just thinking about the materials that we use or that we purchase when making a, a clothes purchase, looking or thinking about something that might be organic as opposed to something that's just made in a traditional manner. You know, those kind of things too, they have such far ranging impacts because on a personal level, anything that we wear against our skin, we're going to absorb any of the chemicals. So it's going to directly affect us in that sense, but also further down the line as well. A really good way of looking at it, and this is how my mum helped me justify it, because it is expensive to buy the organic and to make those choices. But one way I found I could justify it, I guess if that's the way to describe it or rationalize it, is if you think of how many times you wear your jeans and say, for example, you wear them daily, that's 365 days a year. And say, for example, your jeans were, let's say, hypothetically about $300 maybe. But it would mean that you're spending a dollar a day or less on a pair of jeans. So kind of changing the way we think about things too means that kind of cost, I guess we can identify with it a bit more and, and be able to, to work with it. But, you know, there are also other ways of minimising our use of freshly grown cotton. And, you know, a lot of those things can be things like going and, and buying our clothes from secondhand stores where they've been already loved, which means they've already got those 
wear marks on them naturally and organically. Yeah. <laughs> and through doing that, that means that we're also preventing quite a lot of textiles that would otherwise go straight to the tip. There's an amazing amount of clothes that doesn't get that far to the secondhand store. Like there's a lot that goes straight to the tip without being thought about. And also a lot of the stuff that does get donated to charities these days. I think the percentage is about 15% gets reused and the rest gets thrown away. That's a lot. It is a lot, isn't it? Mm. Because you come across these numbers when you're doing the research. So on average, about 14 million tonnes of clothes are thrown away each year. And that's in the US. And I was trying to figure out because to me, that's a number. I can't quite visualize it. I need to see it or mm-hmm. feel it to be able to comprehend it. So 14 million tons is the equivalent of 320,000 Sydney Harbour bridges. And that, that's a lot of bridges. That's a lot of bridges. And again, you couldn't fathom that because that is such a huge number. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And even that many bridges is a lot of bridges. Yeah. You know? It's still mind-boggling when you're trying to bring it back into a a human scale that we can understand. And so if we do recycle our clothes, it means that, say, for example, that 14 million tonnes was recycled as opposed to just being thrown away. It's the equivalent of taking 7.5 million cars off the road and reducing that carbon dioxide footprint. So it's... It's worth doing. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's so that one little act that we do can have such a big flow on effect through all parts of our lives and others. It's such a big concept to think about how mending clothes just touches so many different parts of the world and our environment. There's a lot of talk about the environmental aspect of clothes, but one thing that really shocked me when I was looking into this was the actual production of the cotton itself. So the manufacturing, spinning the cotton from being picked and then, you know, being turned into a fibre that's spinnable and weavable. A lot of it happens in India because India is the uh, largest cotton producer in the world. And they estimate that up to 400,000 people are employed in spinning mills in India. And the majority of those are young girls who are from the lower castes and quite often they're signed up for a three to a five year contract to spin these fibres. And of course, they're in working conditions that are not great. There's no occupational health and safety and, and no PPE gear, anything like that. It's something as simple as increasing the cost of our jeans by $50 would actually have a flow-on effect back to them so that they didn't have to sell themselves for a three- to five-year period. Um, And that would give them a whole lot more freedom and ability to make life choices rather than being enslaved at such an early age. It's quite far-reaching, one pair of jeans is. It's one of those things that, you know, it touches most of our lives. Most of us do have at least one pair of jeans or more in our wardrobe. But it's not such a big daunting problem that we can't tackle like what you were saying you know it's it's one of those things that if we recycle our clothes buy recycled clothes and mend our clothes just from those very small acts 
even by something as simple as extending the life of your clothes by an extra three months reduces the footprint by 10%. If you reduce or extend the life of those clothes by two years, you're reducing that carbon footprint by 80%. And so just through a little bit of mindful mending, not only is it helping us keep our Zen states, but it's also having a a wonderful flow-on effect through the environment. And it's all through extending the life of your clothing and That way we're decreasing the demand for new clothes and that's got to be a good thing. Yes, absolutely. And so that that also comes down to mindful shopping as well, buying buying when you need to. So I'm, I'm definitely not an advocate of no shopping whatsoever. I think there's definitely a time and a place to go shopping and shopping is a wonderful experience. I think it's just kind of taking those considerations on board when you do go shopping so that you're buying a pair of jeans for life, I guess you could say. Having it for life, being able to extend the life of the jeans that you've purchased, and it can be through something as simple as mending, whether it's hand stitching or not. Mm. That makes a huge difference, but it's one difference that each individual can make. That's it. It doesn't have to be hand mended. No. You know, because quite often we get holes in our jeans where we don't really want to bring, you know, attention, <laughs> attention to where they are. <laughs> so there's some invisible mending also does the trick quite nicely as well. <laughs> you know, if you're starting to look at ways to mend, if you're on Instagram, follow some of the hashtags, you know, hashtag mending, hashtag visible mending, hashtag invisible mending and you can see all the various ways that people across Instagram have tackled the mending that they have to do to extend the life of their clothes let alone their jeans. Yes absolutely and the the beautiful thing about it too is because of Instagram we can see so many beautiful ways that people have approached it so you can get quite inspired as well seeing seeing the different ways that people like to extend their clothes. So it's it's wonderful, I think, that visible mending and recycling is such a strong fashion sense at the moment. It's wonderful to see that even the high-end shops are selling clothes that have been repaired and mended. It's really kind of bringing it to the fore, I think, making it quite a prominent. That's quite interesting to see that that's happening at a retail level. Yeah, it totally is. So it's gone again from grassroots to high fashion. It's quite interesting how we can have an impact. So listeners, you know, if this is the first podcast that you've listened to about mending, which Kate's so generously researched for us, there are earlier podcasts that Kate has done around mending that I encourage you to listen to, as well as earlier people who have come on and talked about mending through Mending Mayhem and some of the individuals who've been sharing what they do? Oh, I was just going to say, if people are looking for ways to get started, I have some blog posts on how to get started. There's a couple of different patterns on how to get the lovely flowing lines that you see all over Instagram. And you can get those at my zenstitching.ca website. And the links to your website and blog will be on the podcast blog post. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. At the end of the day, it's worthwhile mending your clothes, not just for your own personal reasons, but for the environment as well. Yeah, well, it has such a flow on effect. And that's what I think is so wonderful. It's great for us and for the environment and for everyone. 
it's a pleasure. I, I find it quite useful. I enjoy doing it. So it's, it's a pleasure to share. Thanks again for coming on the podcast, Kate. Oh, it's, you're most welcome. Thank you. I love talking to you. And have a lovely day, listening. This mending episode of So Organised Style Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Kate, sound by bensound.com. You can hear more from Kate in future Sewing, Save and Mending podcasts. All of Kate's references are on her website at zenstitching.ca as well as on our website, soorganisedstylepodcast.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher and anywhere you listen to good podcasts. Post any questions or suggestions on our website at soorganisedstylepodcast.com or on So Organised Style Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.